What's going on, everybody? Welcome to another fantastic episode of Fraternity. I'm your little brother, Danny, and I'm here with my big brother, Sean. How's everybody doing tonight? Now, we're talking about a fun movie tonight. It's got some teenage drama. It's got high school, but it also has werewolves. And it's got plenty of horror. We're talking about Ginger Snaps. A bloody good bit of gyno horror. One of the best werewolf movies ever made. One of the best and earliest horror movies to come out of the aughts. And one of the best metaphor for puberty movies you'll find in the genre. So was this a first time watch for you, Danny? Yeah, it's a first time watch. Uh, I want to say I have a vague familiarity with this film, but I could just be making that up. I, I feel like I've heard the name, maybe. <laughs> but yeah, totally blind, knew nothing about it. So very exciting, as usual. I'm actually a latecomer to Ginger Snaps myself. I didn't see this movie until about eight years ago. Almost to the day, actually, because Scream Factory released it on Blu-ray late in July 2014. I've said before that I'm not that into the werewolf genre. I've definitely come around to it a lot more recently, but it definitely wasn't one of my favorite subgenres in my youth. I remember seeing Ginger Snaps on the rental shelves, but it just did not speak to me. It had pretty lackluster box art, like a lot of horror films from that time period did. It was one of those transitional times, and Photoshop just wasn't where it needed to be yet. <laughs> now, if it were the red cover featuring the Fitzgerald sisters in the foreground with transformed Ginger as the backdrop, I might have rented it. But as it were, I encountered the cover that also features the Fitz sisters, but it has a full moon with a really terrible looking werewolf on it. <laughs> the werewolf just looks terrible on the cover, but worse yet is the atrocious font they use for the title. The font alone was enough to make me stick my nose up at this movie. A font, the, hey, the perfect font is very important. You have a shitty font, and I ain't even looking that way. <laughs> hey, I fully agree. You cannot underestimate the intricacies and necessities of the font, right? Totally, 100%. Look, and it sounds like a minor gripe or a ridiculous pet peeve, but if you're a horror fan that lived through the late 80s and early 90s, and then you had to navigate the horror scene of the early aughts, you know exactly what I'm talking about. Plus the title, Ginger Snaps, is a bit lacking, or at the very <laughs> least, weird. Wouldn't you agree? It's unconventional, for sure. It doesn't really convey what type of movie this even begins to be. Yeah, it's confusing. And it just failed to draw me in, or interest me in the slightest. It is another thing I've come around on, though. I do love the title now. Love the movie. I found myself watching it repeatedly when I first got it. And I gotta say, I have become quite obsessed with it in the lead-up to us doing this episode. 
I have watched Ginger Snaps more than any other movie we've covered since The Crush. You remember <laughs> I got hooked on The Crush when we did that back in February, but I think Ginger Snaps takes the lead. Like I have just been playing this nonstop. <laughs> right on. Yeah, I think it's a a movie that lends itself to being replayed. And yeah, I think it's just that perfect amount of Audie's horror, much like The Crush, so gotta appreciate it. Yeah. So I think it's fair to say that I've made up for lost time with this movie, but one other thing I never got around to was watching the two sequels, Ginger Snaps Unleashed and Ginger Snaps Back. I took the opportunity to go ahead and check those out in preparation for this episode. And I don't want to give away too much since I'm sure one day we will have dedicated episodes to both of those movies. But what I will say is that all three films range from great to good and a little in between. But the reason I bring this up is because what carries this movie and all of the movies are the wonderful performances by Catherine Isabel and Emily Perkins. And that's not to say that the writing, directing, special effects, and supporting cast aren't great, because they are. But these two ladies really shine here and make Ginger Snaps the unforgettable modern horror classic that it is today. So let's not waste any more time, Danny, and sink our teeth into Ginger Snaps. But before that, just wanted to say, you can follow us on Twitter. Our handle is at Fraternity. That's at Fraternity. Go over there. Check us out. Like our tweets. See what we're doing and keep up to date with everything. We have an email, Fraternity at gmail.com. That's Fraternity at gmail.com. You need to send us a comment, question, anything at all. We'd love to hear from you and respond. We kick things off. With a pretty great cold open, with a mother raking leaves in her backyard, as her young son plays in a sandbox. And I have to ask, are sandboxes still a thing, or have <laughs> they gone out of style? Uh, I feel like I haven't seen a sandbox in such a long time. <laughs> I think I, did, I didn't even have like a proper one, I think I had like a shitty plastic one, that was it. <laughs> I bring it up because I remember having a pretty good time in some sandboxes in my day, but I'll never quite understand why. <laughs> <laughs> sand is just fun, you know? You love to just play with it, go to the beach, play with some sand. <laughs> <laughs> I think they've definitely gone by the wayside because kids can't really play with their electronics in a sandbox, right? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, uh, you don't want to get any. Uh debris in your phone charger <laughs> especially with your little fucking you know those kitty ipads that are like got nerf foam all around them <laughs> <laughs> well we can tell that this kid is playing with something and it's not sand danny it's a nice old uh, doggy leg <laughs> <laughs> severed paw of a dog one thing this movie does great is the gory bits, because when he wipes his mouth and gets the dog blood on his lips, it's just nasty. And then you see that torn up dog and it's just gross. Like, it, <laughs> it doesn't look fake. You know, it, it's very convincing. Yeah, after the mother discovers 
this kid playing with the paw of the dog and the two of them approach that gated corner of the yard and find that dog slaughtered. That was pretty graphic for sure. <laughs> and it made me think, like, wouldn't you have noticed that? You've been working back there for a while now, I, I'm, I imagine. <laughs> <laughs> right. This kind of reminds me of an X-Files cold open. <laughs> Yeah, there's a monster on the loose. No. <laughs> We're going to see Mulder and Scully come down the <laughs> street any second now, investigating. I do think this could have made an excellent Monster of the Week episode. You know, you work a few things around, replace Sam with Mulder. <laughs> but you put Spooky in there, and you're really going to detract from this expertly crafted tale of two sisters. So I don't think we can yeah. go there. Well, there's definitely an air of that this could be a TV show or an episode of a TV show or like a miniseries or something, because this movie is long. It's almost two, two hours. And uh, yeah, I found myself wondering, like, if this would be better sequenced as like three episodes of a show or something. Yeah, although I will say it is one of the longer movies we've covered, but I thought it moved pretty fast. Yeah, I don't think it's a problem like with pacing or story. I think it's all necessary, but it just goes on for <laughs> a while sometimes. But it it's not like it uh, meanders or anything. You know what I mean? Yeah, definitely. I agree. We get the briefest of title cards before we meet Bridget Fitzgerald, the younger of the sisters. As she and some kids playing street hockey witness this mother hysterically run out front and cry out that it got her dog, it got Baxter. And we're going to learn that a wild animal that the town is dubbed the Beast of Bailey Downs is wreaking havoc on the local pet population. But this lady could reel it in a bit, at least for the kids sake, you know? Yeah, I love that the kids playing in the cult sack just look at her and just go back to playing. Like, who gives a shit, lady? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Bridget goes to the room that she shares with her sister Ginger and informs her of the tragedy. And Bridget and Ginger are very close-knit. They're 15 and 16, respectively. They're both late in getting their periods. And they formed a death pact, Danny. <laughs> <laughs> with the goal of escaping their suburban nightmare by the age of 16 or leaving the world behind. Nothing morbid and dreary about that. <laughs> yeah, we learn pretty quick that the Fitzgerald sisters are very morose, <laughs> macabre, but they're endearing for it. You know, you instantly uh, love these girls. At least I do. <laughs> oh, yeah. And fortunately, they don't ruin the movie by offing themselves. But they do go about doing this art project featuring their death photography. They stage multiple forms of suicide that become a fantastic credit sequence montage. And the photo shoot kicks off with a great setup of Ginger laying there impaled by a blood-covered white picket fence. So I have to ask, what are some of your favorite photographs in this bit? Um, Ginger under the car is pretty great and twisted. Reminds me of uh, Uzumaki, but that picket fence one is definitely the most elaborate and fun to look at, I think. <laughs> yeah, obviously some of the more violent standouts are 
Bridget with the pitchfork through her neck. And then you even have Ginger being run over by a lawnmower with her entrails hanging out. (laughs) Personally, I really like the one with Bridget with all of the pills shoved in her mouth because it's just a asinine amount of pills. (laughs) I also really like the image of Bridget with the coins over her eyes. But my absolute favorite is what I call the poison tea party. Because it's such a subversive take on two girls playing tea. But there they are laying dead and they have a shed behind them that almost looks like a playhouse. I thought it was really good morbid stuff. Yeah, they're all great. Like there's not a single one that isn't eye catching or creative. Next thing you know, we're in class with the girls as this slideshow presentation comes to an end to pretty decent applause. And you can tell the girls are quietly appreciative of this validation by their peers, but this teacher slash guidance counselor is none too pleased with what he's just seen. Great eyebrows, I might add. I don't think they're (laughs) Hall of Fame worthy, but they highlight his outrage pretty well. (laughs) (laughs) They show emotion like most great eyebrows do. (laughs) (laughs) I love how his disgust is self-affirming too. He's like, I am completely sickened by that, wasn't I? (laughs) (laughs) I just want to know what this project, what the actual requirements were for, but clearly the sisters just did whatever the hell they wanted to. (laughs) That's a great question. (laughs) I never even considered that. But how about those bone pens, Danny? Pretty flashy. Nice. (laughs) A little goofy, but... but, uh could totally see them using <laughs> these morbid pens just morbid everything in these <laughs> girls lives so one of the boys jason inquires if they can see the pictures of ginger again and i love how this peaks the two girls in very different ways like you can see ginger is stimulated by the interest but bridget is embarrassed and resentful And I really like the shot of her pulling her hair over her own face. Later at gym, our two little introverts get into shit while shit-talking a fellow student named Trina Sinclair. Her friend overhears this and informs her of the Fit Sisters' private slights. And not long after that, Trina ends up tackling Bridget right into another victim of the Beast of Bailey Downs. And... You're telling me they've been playing this game in this field this whole time and had yet to notice the splattered dog carcass right there? Yeah, that's my question, too. This thing was just laying there bright red on the field and no one batted an eye. (laughs) (laughs) So after this confrontation, the girls formulate a plan to kidnap Trina's dog and stage a scene with their prop gore to make it look like her dog has been killed by the Beast of Bailey Downs. And we also get a very brief introduction to this drug dealer, Sam, who will play an integral role later on. But for now, all we know is he has good taste in music, Danny, because he arrives (laughs) blasting Siberian Kiss by Glassjaw. Oh, yeah, that was a nice surprise. (laughs) But Glassjaw, personal favorite of mine. Yep, huge fan, worship and tribute, one of the best albums ever. But I had to chuckle a bit. It's it. 
It definitely puts the movie in a specific time and place here in Glassjaw in the soundtrack. That's what 2000s horror is about. <laughs> Just totally dating <laughs> itself. Oh, yeah. At the same time, Jason is displaying more and more interest in Ginger, which definitely gives her pause, but he fits. she's still managing to refuse <laughs> his advances. <laughs> he fits. I think we should get together. I've seen this actor in a few other genre films and he's really good. He's he's good at playing an asshole who can still be funny. Right. Even the shitty bullies in this film have character to them. <laughs> Speaking of character, we get to meet the girl's parents at family dinner. And does Mimi Rogers kill it as the inquisitive yet clueless happy-go-lucky mom or what? Oh yeah, she rocks it. She plays it so well. And believable, and it feels like a real family, and I love how the dad, too, is just, like, totally oblivious to all the girls' problems. <laughs> Mimi Rogers, as Pam, delivers a lot of humor in the movie, and it's always great. And the father is equally good with what little he has to offer, but that's kind of the point of his character, is right. he's checked out. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, he's just like, whatever, like, I can't change them. <laughs> <laughs> Throughout the school day, Ginger had been favoring her back, and her mother speculates that it may be cramps. And this scene is where we learn the girls are late on developing menstrual cycles, much to their father's dismay as they're having this conversation at dinner. <laughs> we can relate to this, right? Not the menstrual <laughs> cramps, but talking about gross stuff at dinner does not fly in this family <laughs> <laughs> no definitely not but then uh you know I'll just say our uh our father isn't the cleanliest person outside of the dinner table <laughs> but at dinner it's uh no go later that night the girls head out to get revenge on trina and as they're cutting through a playground they come across a dead dog and they attempt to take it with them because it's the same breed as Trina's dog, and it would be perfect if its limbs didn't rip off in their hand <laughs> when they try to lift it up. Yeah, very nasty. Bridget then informs Ginger that she got some honor. But that isn't dog blood, Danny. It's the curse. That will soon be the least of Ginger's problems, though. Because Bridget had observed that this dead dog was still warm. And that would have been a great reason to get the hell out of there. <laughs> <laughs> but they didn't. And it doesn't take long for Ginger's period blood to attract the Beast of Bailey Downs. And the next thing you know, Ginger gets violently dragged off into the woods. Oh yeah, Ginger is tackled and dragged and it's abrupt. <laughs> and Bridget is so great at, with her emotion here where she's just like, Ginger, like, just totally shocked, and we get to see some real motion from this totally morbid girl. It's great stuff. Yeah, and you know, she bravely goes after Ginger, and she finds her in flight from the attacker for the briefest of moments before she's dragged away again. And we then get a pretty great attack sequence with Ginger just being mauled by what is obviously a werewolf, right? <laughs> Yeah, a werewolf like in <laughs> something on all fours with gnarly teeth. 
Bridget starts beating the werewolf with her Polaroid camera, and the girls eventually manage to escape, and they flee the woods and run across the street, narrowly getting hit by Sam in his van. But he does hit the werewolf. And this werewolf explodes Danny into (laughs) just a gory mess all over the road. Yeah, we're only uh, about 15 minutes in and we've gotten already so much gore and blood. (laughs) Yeah, the sisters end up escaping as Sam inspects the carnage. And one thing I do love about this bit is that killing the werewolf with a vehicle immediately establishes that we are not confined to or playing by any established werewolf lore. It tosses that shit right out the window. And I think it's all the better for it because we are going to go down some pretty unique paths that could have been hampered had the film not established its own set of rules and distinguished itself this early on. You know what I mean? Yeah, definitely. It, uh subverts your expectations for a werewolf film no silver bullets here (laughs) (laughs) the girls get home ginger's a bloody mess but to both of their surprise her wounds are already healing and then with ginger asleep we watch bridget fish a picture out of her camera that captured a glimpse of the werewolf while she beat on it and now we really enter the lycanthropy as a metaphor for puberty portion of this movie. (laughs) Right? (laughs) Oh, yeah. It's time to turn and face the strange because Ginger is going through ch-ch-ch-changes. (laughs) They really should have put that on the soundtrack. I mean, I know it's all like aughts new metal, but they could have put some Bowie in there, especially when they're on the tampon aisle. I think that would have been the perfect time for it. Because that's where we go, Danny. We go to the Fitz sisters' first visit to the tampon aisle. To then Ginger smoking weed with Jason and his buddies in the back of Sam's van. Shit is moving pretty quick here. Oh yeah, a lot is happening. Ginger's changing. Shit's going wild. (laughs) It sure is. And Bridget is lurking outside the van. And this is where we formally introduce Sam into the story with this a bit awkward and a bit reluctant discussion on the werewolf incident because Sam does let on that he has some thoughts on what happened that night, but both of them are being a bit guarded on giving up their thoughts. Before long, Sam is kicking the unwanted potheads out of his van, and as luck would have it, Trina shows up with her dog who gets aggressive towards Ginger and receives a brutal kick to the snout for it. And then Bridget finds Ginger in the bathroom, who reveals hairs growing from her wounds. And clearly this is a case of lycanthropy here, but Ginger's only concern is that of being a female with a hairy chest. (laughs) Can't have hair in my chest, B. That's fucked. (laughs) Next thing you know, she's standing in a pool of menstrual, and we are (laughs) off. To a pretty funny scene with the school nurse. As funny and quotable as some of those lines are, I think my favorite line is back at the house when Ginger writes off Bridget's suspicions by saying, I got my period, okay? (laughs) (laughs) It's impressive how Ginger writes off any notion of lycanthropy 
when she has these giant claw scars sprouting hairs on her shoulder. Now, there's plenty of great one-liners here. I love when they're getting the pads and Bridget's like, are you sure it's just cramps? And Ginger's like, just and cramps are two words that don't go together. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I like the scene with the school nurse, too. And she's like, it's normal. And they're like, it was like a geyser. <laughs> Hair in places it wasn't before. Completely normal. <laughs> Bridget starts researching lycanthropy as she finds more evidence of Ginger shaving massive amounts of hair. And then we cut to the classic introverted nerd girl ditching her coat and walking down the school hallway in slow motion <laughs> with her newfound beauty being dutifully noticed by all the guys. Fucking classic right here. Played totally straight. It's, uh, it's awesome. <laughs> I love how they almost like wheel Bridget into frame towards the end like above <laughs> <laughs> I love the gray streaks and Ginger's hair, you know, it just has that edge look to her. <laughs> oh yeah. She's she likes her edge, Danny. <laughs> Sam finds Bridget and after finding the photograph she snapped of the werewolf in his van, he's a little more ready to have an open discussion on the subject with her. And he relates the information of finding a human penis in the bloody werewolf carnage. <laughs> we also learn that it's already been about a week with things with Ginger getting progressively worse. But it's good that Bridget finds an ally here. One she's definitely going to need sooner rather than later after she inspects Ginger's butt and finds a tail forming. Oh, that tail makes me uncomfortable. <laughs> It's wagging at you. <laughs> Just this little stubby thing grown out of your ass. Ugh. You know what else I never really paid attention or gave much thought to is the fact that instead of the classic full moon transformation, we have a gradual transformation taking place that there's seemingly no coming back from. Yeah, like you said, everything that you know about werewolves is kind of thrown out the window. And we are taking the information as the movie's go going along. And I think that is what makes it so unique and enjoyable, is that you really don't know what to expect, and it's out of the ordinary. Yeah, there was also a scene in biology class that it's extremely brief, but important in the fact that it reveals that this movie is going to take a view of lycanthropy as a virus invading a host. All of this is explained more when Bridget visits Sam at his greenhouse, and Sam offers up a ring of pure silver as the first attempt to cure Ginger, but Bridget has told him that she's the one who's actually afflicted, so he doesn't know that it's Ginger. And as much as Bridget would like to help Ginger, Ginger's too busy in the backseat of cars with boys. <laughs> and little does Jason know just what a little boy is going to feel like when Ginger gets done with him, because <laughs> you can't really call this rape, but she takes charge and dominates him in that backseat. <laughs> Who's the guy here? <laughs> <laughs> I like, too, that the movie does a good job of not making it clear if she screwed Jason or literally maldonate him there. <laughs> Yeah, I was under the impression that he definitely died <laughs> until we see him at school the next day. And he's like, 
Ginger Fitzgerald rocked my world. <laughs> He's already got cold sores all over his face. <laughs> yeah, they even push it further when Ginger goes home and Bridget finds her in the bathroom covered in and puking up blood. But it turns out it was just the yappy dog Norman next door that actually got torn to pieces. And at this point, Ginger is more open to Bridget's ideas. So they go through with the piercing and the use of the pure silver ring. But at the same time, we get this pretty good discussion about the sexual encounter and the divergent experience between young men and women and how a girl who sleeps around is labeled a slut while a guy is celebrated amongst his peers for it. I thought it was a nice human moment in the middle of this supernatural tale. Yeah, the film really takes this tale of puberty and kind of goes all the way, but at the same time still making it entertaining and still a horror movie, so it's a great mix of uh, both sides. I have to say too, Bridget really goes the extra mile for her sister. She even tapes her tail down before gym class. <laughs> and one good turn deserves another, Danny. So when Trina Sinclair gets rough with Bridget again, Ginger lays the smack down on her face and leaves her with a bloody nose. And speaking of bloody noses, obviously, unprotected sex, even in a teenage werewolf movie, cannot go unpunished, right? <laughs> Definitely not. So not only is lycanthropy a metaphor for puberty and menstruation, but now we can add STDs to the list because Jason may not be spraying blood out of his nose, but it is coming out of his tip, Danny. <laughs> <laughs> oh, what a just like gross shot, you know? It, it's true horror from, from a man's perspective. <laughs> A red pen exploded in my pants. Fuck! <laughs> <laughs> After school, Bridget and Ginger pay Sam a visit. And this dude has been putting in some work. And he's discovered a plant that he thinks could help, but it only grows in the springtime. So it really comes down to finding some monkshood. But all the while, feral Ginger is doing her best to drive a wedge and fuck things up between Bridget and Sam. Despite both of their best intentions in regards to her situation. I like when Ginger tells Bridget he's just another pervert who only wants sex. And he tells Bridget, I do not think of you that way. And on some level, it looks like that kind of stings Bridget. The same way the guys wanting to see Ginger's photos in class again did. It's like, maybe he isn't interested and you aren't either, but no one wants to hear that, right? <laughs> Yeah, right. And uh, I do like their relationship between Sam and Bridget. It's entertaining and they're both trying to help each other out. But you're always wondering, like, is there more going on here or what are the implications? <laughs> we then get this scene with Ginger shaving in the tub and she notices what I'm assuming is a werewolf dewclaw protruding from her skin. <laughs> Pretty nasty there. Ugh, yeah, it's gross. <laughs> I've skipped over a lot of the scenes featuring the parents up to this point in favor of focusing on the narrative because, like we said, this is a pretty long movie. But we do get a great line here when the mom bursts in on Ginger. Ginger pulls the curtain, says she's fat, 
And when the mom notices some glamour magazine, she tells Ginger, Ginger, you are not fat. Those <laughs> models are all on speed to look like that. <laughs> <laughs> Later that night, Bridget returns home and is confronted by Trina in the yard. And Trina claims that she saw Ginger kidnap her dog. At the same time, we get another very human moment when Trina tells Bridget that Sam gets off on taking virginity. And she basically pleads with Bridget to be smarter and be the better person and not give him the satisfaction. And you can tell she's really hurt. And I thought it was good in painting this character in a shade of gray, but it's also pretty, uh, it doesn't paint Sam in the best light, you know? Yeah, definitely. (laughs) Then suddenly Ginger attacks, though, and forces Trina into the house. And they wrestle about the kitchen, spilling some milk, while Bridget desperately tries to gain control of this chaotic situation. Ginger covers Trina's mouth when Trina starts to vomit through her fingers. And disgusted, Ginger releases her grasp, and Trina tries to escape. But she slips in the milk and cracks her skull violently on the edge of the countertop. She is obviously dead, Danny. Yeah, the blood is pooling, mixing with the milk. We got some bilk going on. Gotta have it. Bilk and horror go hand in hand. (laughs) So, with Trina obviously dead in the kitchen, of course the girls hear the garage door open as their parents arrive home at the worst time. But they manage to hide the body. They disguise the mess as one of their death setups. And they manage to distract their mother with phony curiosity about what boys want. But then they go about retrieving Trina from the meat freezer and burying her under the shed. Unfortunately, she's frozen over. (laughs) And as they try to chip her out of there, they accidentally nick two of her fingers off. I really loved this scene when the parents come home. And... It was tense, like, it was a tense moment where it's like, how are they going to hide this body in, like, um, under a minute, you know? And it was a really good payoff for all the fake deaths earlier, you know? They used it to their advantage here. But then you have another stinger when the mom is gonna put the meat away and into the freezer, and the body's in there, and then Bridget has to think on her feet, like, shit, what do I say to... <laughs> get my mom to talk to me and not pay attention (laughs) (laughs) yeah great stuff and then they're stuck eating cookies and drinking milk while their mother explains what men want but yeah they go about getting trina out of the freezer and they do manage to bury her underneath the shed but those two broken off fingers seem to get lost somewhere in the backyard don't they yeah uh I'm not sure how they lost track of these fingers, but, you know, it's fine. (laughs) (laughs) I'm also not sure how that photograph got in the van, though. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, that one, too, but uh, it's all right. We forgive you, Ginger Snaps. (laughs) So Trina Sinclair is air quote missing. Jason is becoming psychotic as he's dealing with his own tail sprouting pet murdering transformation. And Ginger has turned to self-mutilation as she attempts to cut her own tail off. And in all of this chaos, Bridget finds some monkshood 
thanks to her mother's recent visit to the craft store. The next morning, Bridget barricades Ginger in the bathroom and visits Sam. The two decide injection would be the best route, and they go about crafting a dose. And there's some great splicing here of Ginger desperately attempting to break out of the bathroom with them crafting what they hope will be the antidote. I also love here how Sam reveals that he knows the truth by warning Bridget that she may kill Ginger attempting to cure her. Yeah, it's great. And you can sense that uneasiness within Bridget. And we really don't know like how she's feeling. Like, would she put Ginger out of her misery if that's what it took? Or would she shy away from it? So I think it's just a testament to the great acting and really solid story hit here in Ginger Snaps. Yeah, definitely. Unfortunately, Bridget discovers that Ginger has escaped when she gets home. So she heads out to find her. But before she finds Ginger, she encounters Jason attempting to eat a trick-or-treater. Because we should also mention that <laughs> it's Halloween. Because of course it is. <laughs> Why not? Of course it is. It just makes your horror movie that much better when it's on Halloween. I mean, you can't deny it, right? <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Why not? Especially you get the tacky high school Halloween decoration set which I just love. <laughs> yeah, and you have to have a way to get away with Ginger semi-transformed walking amongst everyone. <laughs> yeah, they're like, cool costume, Ginger. <laughs> <laughs> Bridget winds up having no choice but to use the dose of monkshood on Jason, and miraculously, it seems to work because we see his aggression dissipate and I love how he stumbles off with the needle still in his neck. Oh, that needle sticking out is another one that makes me uncomfortable. This movie got to me in a lot of ways. And I don't even have a thing for needles. Like, I I took shots fine as a kid. But, I don't know, just him walking away with that needle in his neck was uh, making me uncomfortable. <laughs> That's interesting. I just thought that was funny as shit. <laughs> <laughs> Afterwards... Bridget finds Ginger at school in the guidance counselor's office. And if you thought this guy was outraged earlier, <laughs> well, we can't ask him how he's feeling now because he is dead. And he is pretty savagely clawed all over his face and back and left laying across his desk. And you know what? It's about time because this movie has told a great story. But we are entering the third act, and we are in desperate need of some attention in the kills department, if you ask me. <laughs> yeah. Any werewolf movie worth its weight in fur needs at least a few good kills. Oh yeah, totally. This movie's great. It's got tons of teenage high school drama mixed with werewolf transformation, but we need some kills, and we're about to get a great one. Yeah, because this actually develops into a twofer, because Bridget goes to find some cleaning supplies to help Ginger, but the custodian finds Ginger first. This custodian had been a kind gentleman to Bridget throughout the film, but Ginger was overly suspicious of him as a pervert, and that kind of seals his fate, doesn't it? Yeah. You know, the great thing about this scene is that this is when Bridget really sees what Ginger has become, just like 
totally mauling this innocent man. And just the shock in Bridget's face is so great as Ginger's just throwing this poor custodian around into the lockers. <laughs> yeah, that's brutal stuff. And then he crashes through the emergency fire hose glass and collapses to the floor. And then I love how he's still alive and he's starting to turn and Ginger just finishes him off. At the same time that this is all taking place, the Fitz's dad is shocked when he finds Trina's severed fingers while raking the yard. But Pam convinces him that it's just one of the girl's death props. And she takes them and places them in some Tupperware, of all things. (laughs) (laughs) But we can definitely see on her face that she knows they aren't fake. And she digs up Trina's body as Ginger leaves Bridget behind to go kill Sam at his greenhouse Halloween bash. And as Bridget is running to catch up, she gets picked up by her mom, who basically reveals that she is all in on helping her daughters, no matter what. But that's neither here nor there, so let's go to the bash. I think it's kind of rare where you get a parent in a film who's willing to really do whatever for their child, especially in something like this in horror. So it was nice, but yeah. We're going to Sam's party at his greenhouse, which confuses me a little because he didn't want anyone in here because this is where he grows his weed, but now he's throwing a party for high schoolers who are definitely (laughs) got some sticky fingers. (laughs) Sam is a confusing character, Danny. Like, he doesn't look that much older than these kids to begin with (laughs) yeah my guess was like uh 20 21 or so maybe (laughs) yeah ginger enters the halloween bash in her most transformed state thus far she's pretty much a humanoid wolf at this point really cool makeup effects as she walks through the costume party goers and makes a beeline for sam's back room and bridget ditches her mom outside and finds Ginger attacking Sam after he pushed her off and refused her advances. So Bridget does the only thing she can to reel her sister back in by cutting both of their hands and putting them together, making a new blood pact while infecting herself. So they leave the party, but Sam cuts them off and knocks Ginger out with a shovel, which irritates Bridget as she informs him that She has more monkshood at the house, and this was the only way she could convince her to come back. So they toss unconscious Ginger in the back of the van and make their way to the house. But the transformation is occurring too quickly, and we finally get the requisite werewolf transformation scene, Danny. Yep, Ginger is entering her final form, Ginger Wolf. (laughs) Yeah, I thought this was a pretty awesome transformation. I love when a movie uses lighting to create the sense of motion and to give us that cool strobe effect so that we can obscure the cuts and the makeup changes. It's really well done. Yeah, and this werewolf puppet costume looks great. I mean, you know it's a puppet, but it's it's just really well-crafted and well-made. And it's fucking gnarly and scary looking. <laughs> I will say that I'm not one to say that Ginger Snaps features the best actual werewolf. 
It definitely comes up a little short to stuff we've seen in other films. But at the same time, it's very unique. A lot like everything else that they're doing in this movie. So it's hard for me to say that it's bad at all. Because I don't really think it's necessarily fair to compare it to werewolves we've seen in like The Howling or American Werewolf in London or Silver Bullet even. Because a lot like, let's say, Dog Soldiers, which came a little after this, it's definitely preoccupied with telling its own very unique tale in the cinematic realm of lycanthropy. And I don't think it's even trying to compete with anything else within that world. Yeah, it's so unique. It stands alone and it is a werewolf movie, but at the same time, it isn't. It kind of has no direct comparison or anything. It stands all by itself, which is a great feat. So they make it back to the house while being unaware of Ginger's complete transformation. She manages to break out of the van and head inside the house. Then Sam and Bridget sneak about the house as they try to gather the tools and ingredients they're going to need to make that second dose. They wind up hiding in a pantry and actually manage to craft the dose. But as Sam heads out to put their plan into motion, he gets attacked and viciously mauled by the ginger wolf. Bridget goes out to find Sam, and she finds him bleeding out in the basement, but is quickly confronted by the werewolf. And in this attempt to placate the beast, she begins to scoop Sam's blood in her fingers and eat it. So poor Sam has to sit there in agony because he's not quite dead yet and watch the Fit sisters feast upon his blood. Pretty brutal. Bridget feasting on Sam's blood is another one that just grosses me out, you know? They, you know, some fake blood looks horrible and some fake blood looks great and this is some great looking fake blood. It's got that right amount of viscous <laughs> to it, you know, <laughs> and feel to it. And just as Bridget is putting it into her mouth, but she eventually vomits it up. Oh, man, it, it's nasty. <laughs> I'll agree with you on that one. This is a pretty nasty bit here. And yeah, once she can't keep up the facade, I love how it causes the ginger wolf to deliver just a vicious coup de gras to Sam with a bite to his neck. Poor Sam. <laughs> No one's going to be buying those eighths. <laughs> we then get some excellent cat and mouse throughout the house before Bridget winds up in the bedroom. But the ginger wolf has outsmarted her. And after Bridget barricades the door, she realizes the ginger wolf is lurking in the bathroom. She grabs a dagger and holds it in one hand with the syringe in the other and backs herself into a corner. She tries to get through to the beast formerly known as Ginger, but she just can't. And she tells the beast that she's not dying in this room with her. And the Ginger Wolf lunges. But it freezes up, silent, and face to face with Bridget. As we see, it's the dagger and not the syringe that has penetrated the beast. It collapses to the floor. As Bridget looks up at the wall, adorned with pictures of her and her sister, she crawls over to the beast and places her head on its chest as it takes its dying breaths. And that's the end of our movie. 
And quite an emotional one at that, I will say. Man, I know we said this movie was long, and it is, but what a great finale, you know? It's from the moment they get back to the house up to this ending, it's a good 15 minutes. But in that 15 minutes, it's like pure, unfiltered horror, you know, at its best. Getting chased around by the villain. Plenty of gore, plenty of tense moments, and great jump scares. You know, what else can you say? It's really awesome. So do you have any more final thoughts on Ginger Snaps, Danny? Ginger Snaps is a really great film. It's a great mix of teen drama, high school drama, and a werewolf film. And you know what it reminds me of is... Those Disney Channel original movies in the 90s, you know, Disney kind of dabbled their hand in horror for a bit. Obviously, it was made for kids, but I still really loved those movies like Halloween Town and Under Wraps and Don't Look Under the Bed. Those films are really fun. And Ginger Snaps is almost like the mature version of that or what I imagined those movies to be, you know? It has that same feel to it, but it's completely raw and unfiltered here. And Ginger Snaps, I can see it going down as a a personal favorite of mine, honestly. So great film and you should check it out. Awesome. I want to add an observation I had because the last time I watched this movie for this episode... I was really struck by the the ending in the room. I may have cried a little bit. <laughs> and, you know, as much as this is a tale of two sisters and the transformation of Ginger into a werewolf, I think it's easy to lose sight of the narrative arc of Bridget, discovering her own individuality through the course of all of these supernatural ordeals. It kind of reminds me of Dead Ringers, where these sisters have such a strong bond that they've almost lost sight of their individuality. But unlike Elliot, Bridget finds that she can't destroy herself for the sake of that bond. You know, it's easy to get caught up in the supernatural stuff and how they're being used as metaphors for blossoming womanhood. I'm sure you can tack on some feminist connotations, too. But I really feel like the most important arc, which is the discovery of one woman's individual strength, is kind of easy to miss here. Again, I have to go back to Dead Ringers, and if you haven't listened to our episode of that movie, you should really check it out. I think it would make a great companion to this. But Elliot does everything he can to help Beverly. To the point where he eventually drops to his level and sacrifices himself, and it winds up killing them both. But here, Bridget too has exhausted all options in an attempt to save Ginger. And she's often been thwarted by Ginger herself. But instead of sacrificing herself, which would inevitably lead to destruction of them both, she's forced to kill her own sister to survive. I think it just made me realize how brilliant this movie really is and how layered it is to the point where I don't think it 
may get credit. I think that aspect, I think Bridget's arc is kind of lost in everything else. But you know what? If that's not your thing, if none of that's your thing, it's also just a really fun and enjoyable werewolf movie. So you can turn your brain off and have fun all the same. Well said. Very well said. Yeah, I agree. It's a movie with the best of both worlds. It's got plenty to dig your teeth in, but, you know, our parents can watch this film and enjoy it too, I think. (laughs) Well, alrighty, man. We've got werewolves dying, people dying, accidental deaths. But I have to ask, do you have a favorite kill in Ginger Snaps? Well, my favorite kill, it's got to be that poor custodian at the high school (laughs) that's mine also getting thrashed around by ginger and really what makes it is bridget just having to watch this you know and ginger is totally convinced that like she's doing something good you know i don't like the way he's looking at you he's a pervert whatever and just bridget has to look over in shock and this actor getting killed he does a great job, you know, especially when he goes head first into that glass and then we see he's still breathing and he hasn't been killed yet. And Bridget's like, oh, God, he's still alive. Like he's infected now. And for a moment, you're not sure what's going to happen. And there's this pause until Ginger just impales him in the stomach and puts him out of his misery. So, yeah, I am a big fan of this scene. Yeah, like I said. That's my favorite kill also. And I love the fact that you brought up the actor because that's what I was thinking about was this character is so peripheral. He's ever so briefly in a couple of scenes. I'd say he appears just enough that you probably should suspect that he's going to reach a gruesome end. But Mm -hmm. everything he's given to do up to this point is so pedestrian. And then he just delivers here. From crawling on his hands and knees with gore spewing from his wounded neck to getting tossed against the lockers. And lastly, that fish-like gasping for air as he isn't quite dead. It just made me think of all the other characters and actors in horror movies that exist on that periphery. But then they get this gruesome, exciting, and just plain fun moment to shine. And as far as those kind of deaths go, this is a really good one. Yeah, totally. It's uh, firing on all cylinders, and it's pretty much a perfect kill. So I think that's why it's our favorite. Sure, there aren't a lot of kills in this film, but this one definitely delivers on uh, all fronts. Well, that just leaves favorite scene. So what do you got, Danny? Well, I already praised it, so you know I gotta go with the finale Just everything that's going on with Ginger Wolf at the household. (laughs) Killing Sam. All the great, just tense moments where you're never sure Ginger is just going to pop up and attack. And it's really tense. It's a really well-crafted horror piece. And for as far out as this movie tends to go with theming, I just felt like this scene really dialed it all the way back and it really was just pure horror at its simplest, you know, and I really appreciated it for that. 
Great choice. It is an excellent finale to this movie, isn't it? I think so. So, Sean, give it to us. What's your favorite scene? This was a tough one for me because I think the entire movie as a whole is fantastic. But I find that there aren't many standout scenes, in my opinion. So I decided to pick the scene when Ginger goes to the Halloween bash because I think this stage of her transformation looks awesome. And if I'm being honest, it kind of pisses me off that we didn't get more of that. Yeah, that's a great moment in the film. And I totally get what you're saying about how there's no like singular scene that really stands out. The movie is kind of seamless and just kind of flowing perfectly, you know. It's long, but it, it but it's uh it's really never a drag. Yeah. I read that Catherine Isabel went through some serious hell with these facial prosthetics. <laughs> I can imagine. But to me, that's all the more reason to have gotten more of it on film. And she has become quite probably a modern the modern day scream queen to some degree. So I doubt she would have objected. So like I said, for me, it's not so much the scene, but the look of Ginger at this point that I like. We even get the weird chest piece when she comes on to Sam in the bed and opens her shirt up. And then when she gets even more pissed off, we get a further facial transformation as she's becoming more violent and feral. And it looks equally good and grotesque. She goes from sexy humanoid wolf to whoa what's that humanoid wolf and (laughs) yeah i love it i love it i love the way she looks here her hair has become fully gray at this point it's awesome to look at great special effects let's give a shout out to the practical effects in this movie you gotta always love that so yep totally that's my choice and that is ginger snaps excellent choice well we said enough about ginger snaps i think if you haven't seen it why are you listening to us go check it out check out our other episodes especially dead ringers if you like ginger snaps and uh yeah we'll see you next time this has been sean and danny signing out have a great night everyone night everybody